0: CHAPTER 1 OF BILLY WHISKERS IN FRANCE This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. BILLY WHISKERS IN FRANCE BY FRANCIS TRAGO MONTGOMERY BILLY WHISKERS GROWS HOMESICK as Billy Whiskers lay in an American camp somewhere over in France, he became very restless and soon had the blues from thinking of his dear nanny so far away, away over in America with that deep, deep, wide blue ocean between them, infested not only with huge sea monsters belonging to the Finney tribe, but also with death-dealing, quickly-moving submarines and torpedo boats belonging to the German Kaiser. I want dreadfully to go home. Still, I hate to risk my life on any ship that sails the seas these days, for it may be blown sky-high at any moment or sunk to the nethermost depths of the ocean. There is no way to walk around, and I don't suppose I could get anyone to let me go with them in an airship. So here I must remain, or trust my life to some troop ship returning to America for more soldiers. I just believe I will do it. I've lost all interest in the war over here since my master was wounded and was invalided home. Home! The very word makes me so homesick I can't see for tears. Well, I'll just fix this homesickness, so I will. I start for there this very minute. It is a good dark night, and I think I can slip out of camp easily, as they have not been watching me so closely since my master was sent away. Suiting the action to the words, Billy jumped up, shook himself, took a long breath, and said to himself, "'Here's luck to you, old fellow, on your long, long, perilous journey, and may you reach the other side and once more see your loving little wife Nanny and all your children and grandchildren.' Then he gave a flick of his tail and started on a brisk run for the least guarded entrance to the camp to try to sneak through." "'My, but it is lonesome traveling by myself,' he thought. "'I do wish Stubby and Button were here to accompany me on this journey. "'Billy was so busy thinking of his old friend's Stubby, "'the little yellow dog with a stubby tail, "'and Button, the big black cat with blazing eyes like buttons, "'that he reached the entrance to the camp before he knew it, "'and he managed to slip out without being stopped, "'for there was a jam at the gate "'caused by many big ambulances going out,' and army trucks coming in. Humph, said Billy to himself, if I get over all my difficulties as easily as I got through that gate and past the guards, my journey will be a smooth and pleasant one. He had been traveling for some time when he heard someone say, Hi there, Billy Whiskers. What are you doing outside of camp? Looks to me as if you were trying to run away. This from a driver of an ambulance who knew Billy was not allowed to escape from the camp. "'Come here, and I will give you a nice red apple.' "'See anything green in my eye?' winked back Billy. "'I know you. "'You would give me an apple with one hand "'and slip a rope around my neck with the other. "'Anyway, where's your apple? "'I don't see any.' "'Here, Billy. Stop, I tell you, and come here. "'If you don't like apples, here is a handful of salt.' "'And the soldier held out his hand as if he had it full of salt.' but Billy was too keen for him. He had seen him close his hand over nothing before offering it to him, so he kept right on walking as if he had not heard the soldier. Say, Bill, this is no joke. It is the general's orders that you are not to escape, but to be made to stay in camp until we go home. You are too valuable a goat to allow the Germans to make you up into chops and roasts, Besides, when we get home, we want to show the goat that stole von Luxemburg's maps and plans from under his very nose and also butted or hooked all his staff into a heap in the corner of his own little room. If you won't come back for apples or salt or coaxing, very well. I'll have to lasso you or shoot you in one of your legs so you cannot run away and the soldier turned his back to look for a rope in the ambulance as he preferred to lasso Billy rather than shoot him. He was an expert with the lasso as he had come from a ranch away out in Montana to join the army and was considered the best hand with the rope in all Montana. Huh, grunted Billy. I must have run into lasso Jake. If this is so, I better be getting a move on me and pushing my leg. As luck would have it, Right before Billy was a creek, with a temporary bridge across it. Down the bank beside the bridge plunged Billy, for he knew the bank was so high that the cowboy soldier could not throw his lasso so as to catch him. Instead of trying to climb out on the other side of the creek, Billy kept on in the middle of the swift-flowing stream, swimming against the current, though he could not make much progress against it. Presently he heard voices, and turning his head he saw two soldiers standing on the bridge, and one was swinging a lasso over his head. Billy waited to see no more, but ducked. And just as his head disappeared under the water, he heard the splash of the rope as it hit the surface of the water just where his head had been. Good thing I ducked. If I hadn't, they would now be pulling me to shore with a lasso around my neck. Gee, but that was a close call. And that cowboy soldier is some lasso-thrower. I never saw his equal, even in a circus. I think he better get a flying machine and fly over the German line and watch his chance to rope the Kaiser or the Crown Prince, some of the generals, and other high monkey monks. And Billy laughed to himself at the spectacle of the Kaiser being made to walk into an American camp with a lasso around his neck. Billy forgot he could not open his mouth to laugh underwater, and he began to choke, so he had to stop swimming underwater and come to the surface. Just as he did so, his eye caught sight of a soldier standing on the bank of the stream with a lasso hanging from his hand, ready to throw the moment Billy's head appeared above the surface of the water. He was about to dive again when he heard a cry for help from the bridge. The soldier turned and ran to rescue a man who had fallen into the water, calling as he went down, "'Save me! I can't swim!' Billy crawled out of the stream and stood watching the soldier with the lasso, trying to save his comrade." He was having a hard time, for as the man went down, he struck his head on a stone, which stunned him, and now he was being carried downstream by the swift current and knocked against the boulders over which the water frothed. Try as he would, the cowboy soldier was put to it to catch up to him, as the swift current bore his chum's body ever and still ever ahead of him. But at last his comrade's body caught between two rocks, and he was held there until the cowboy soldier overtook it. The cold water had revived the man so that by the time his soldier chum reached him he was coming to his senses. Billy only waited to see that the man was alive, and then he left them sitting in midstream, each on a big rock that raised its head above the water. He thought it wise to cut sticks for safety, and ran into a thick woods he saw, which would serve to hide him from the soldiers, should they cross the bridge and try to follow him. This, however, they did not do, knowing it would be useless to try to catch Billy when he had such a start. As soon as he could, Billy found his way out of the woods to the road he had left. After following it for some time, he found it led out to the main highway to Paris. This road Billy knew he must follow, or he would never find his way back to the seacoast. Once in Paris, he knew he must pass through it, and then keep straight on in a westerly direction until he came to the English Channel. Once there, he would follow the coast until he came to a port from which boats were sailing for America. Then he would watch his chance to steal aboard and sail for home. Billy was very good at directions, and from the moment he had landed in France, he had taken special pains to keep the points of the compass straight in his head, so that if he ever wanted to return home alone, he would find his way. Now it proved what a wise old goat he was, for all he had to do was travel by the sun and north star in a northeasterly direction until he came to Paris, and from there in a westerly, until he reached the English Channel, from one of whose ports he had disembarked when he came to France. But it was discouraging to think how very far it was, and what privations and hardships he would have to endure and overcome before he reached his destination. But Billy Whiskers was a regular old soldier by this time, and well used to hardships and hard knocks of all kinds. So he only heaved a long sigh and then ran all the faster, knowing that every step he took brought him just that much nearer "'to home, and nanny. "'If I tried to count the steps I shall have to take before reaching home, "'it would be like counting the sands of the sea. "'I shan't try, but just push on, and know I shall get there some day.' "'Bow, wow, wow!' barked a big Dane in his deep voice. "'Bow, wow, wow!' came the short, sharp, snappy barks from a short-legged Scotch terrier "'as they bounded out of a gate beside the road, ready to pounce on Billy.' They were followed by Poodles, Collies, St. Bernards, and all manner of dogs, both great and small. Billy thought he had never seen so many dogs of different breeds in one place in all his life. You see, he had run into a dog hospital, and these were the convalescent dogs which were allowed to play together in the yard. Not one of these dogs tried to bite Billy, and after they had given up trying to frighten him by barking in their fiercest way, as if about to eat him alive... They quieted down and became as docile as lambs. End of chapter 1 Read by Rich Brown, Minneapolis, Minnesota